0: Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary, it's time for the podcaster who hopefully I'll be baffling you in lulls, uh, or baffling you with my lulls patrons, but you're the one that enables my baffling so I could be baffle man. And hopefully you're in a bed full of baffles and not waffles, uh, cause I wouldn't make any sense. It's time for sleeping. My podcast put you to sleep. Thanks patrons. Hey, everybody, it's Scoots, and I know this is not an easy time for anybody. This episode was recorded a few months ago, so I just wanted to let you know that and to let you know to check our show notes for resources because the podcast is here to put you to sleep, but there's more resources in our show notes if you're you're needing more. Uh, Please please use those links. You're, You're really important to me, so please use them. Thank you so much. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing? Trouble getting to sleep? Trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep with Me a podcast that puts you to sleep. We do it with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to attempt to do is what I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you can set aside whatever's keeping you awake, whether it's uh, thoughts, you know, things you're thinking about. Uh, feelings like anything emotionally coming up for you, or physical sensations, uh, changes in time, or temperature, or schedule. So, you know, if you're working the second or third shift, or you're traveling, getting ready for a move, whatever it is uh, that's keeping you up, it could be one of those things, it could be something else. Uh, I'm here to help. What I'm going to, to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake. Is that what it, like, whether it's thoughts, feelings, physical sensations, changes in time and temperature. I guess I get mixed up. That's another thing I do. So I get mixed up. So whatever's keeping me awake, I'd like to take your mind. What I'm going to do is I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night And I have, I I mentioned the the aforementioned, I don't know if I've ever used that word ever, 800 plus episodes. I don't know if I've ever said aforementioned, Uh, but the aforementioned, and I may be using it in the wrong context, a safe place I have here. Plenty of room set aside. I got space for you. Whether, you know, look around, Uh, go ahead, uh, check it out. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky dulcet tones, pointless meanders, superfluous tangents. I will be going off topic and nonsense. I'll be going in depth about stuff you might have never cared or you might currently, where you don't need to care. You see, I'm going in depth about this, uh, but I'm barely going to scratch the surface at the same time. And I'm going to buff, instead of scratching the surface here, we buff it. Uh, as a matter of fact, I like to breathe on the surface. Don't worry. Oh boy, did I brush my teeth before I sat down, and then I had some apple slices. But yeah, we don't, we don't. You know, we don't do that to the surface, cause that would be and that's not soothing for bedtime. Even though, in that particular, is that a metaphor? Scratch the surface, or what is that truism? It's not a truism. Uh, I don't know. Again, another question for Helen Z out there, who has a new podcast at the time I'm recording this, Veronica Mars Investigates. So check the hat out for sure. What was I talking about? Though? Oh, uh, buffing the surface. This is a podcast that barely buffs the surface. You know, I you don't need to wear glasses. I still fog them up. Uh, I don't, yeah, you see. well, I don't have my glasses on scoots. I'm in bed with my eyes closed. That's it's right, I'm, fi- I'm fogging up your glasses. By the time tomorrow, it'll have dissipated, and I barely scratched the surface. Oh, because if you're new, sorry about that, uh, going off topic early, you know, I was probing for meanders there. And really just, uh, you know, using that famous, uh, you, you know, when you see people buffing or... uh uh, like doing that to a table, not quite polishing. You're right. My, my part of my brain, the car cleaning part of my brain said, are you polishing? Shouldn't you be buffing the car right now? That's a thought that's come up for me at bedtime. And then I said to that part of my brain, have we, have we ever, other than like, uh, when we had to for an a alo- when we needed money from our father and, uh, we, or, uh, some, uh, I can't ever remember buffing or buffing anything. Okay. Well, that's a hot, that's something totally different. That's not right. This is not a good time to talk about buffing. It's funny. Cause, uh, uh, well, anyway, I was going to say that, uh, Helen's podcast is with Jenny Owens Young, who's a, a buff, has a buff, buffering, a, a, a buffy podcast. Uh, but it was way off topic. Oh, if you're new. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, um, if you're, okay, because if you're new here, you're probably like, what is this guy talking about or what's going on here? So let me circle back here. Let me sit down in our safe place we have set aside. So here's a couple of things. You know, this podcast is different. So if you're skeptical or a bit confused, uh, Well, you know, I'm confused, currently confused. That's what it says on my profile, one of my profiles, maybe. And so this podcast is nonsensical. And here's a couple of things to know. Structurally, we're already a bit into the structure of the show, but the show starts off with a few minutes of business. That's more important for regular listeners. So if you're new, but that's how we keep it free for everybody instead of like behind a paywall with like 10 episodes and then the other 290 you got to pay for, all 300 episodes right now you could listen to for free or or, or our most recent 300 episodes you could listen to uh, right there for free whenever you need it or all in a row. So thank you for that. So there's business, then there's an intro. But in our case, the intro is like a cool down. I don't know why I would call it an intro. That's just like the only... It's a, it's a cool down part of the show. Normally intro is just to warm you up to the podcast, you know, say, Hey, we're going to be here talking about, this is car wash cast. This is Carl with the car wash cast. I'm going to be talking about car washing and things, interesting car washers, uh, uh, car, it's car wash notes, uh, which doesn't really work, but you know, my favorite other podcast is script notes. So I built it on that, uh. So car wash, you know, but not just for professional car washers. Uh, It's uh, you know car washing. I can't remember how John and Craig say it. Oh, I think John always says it. Uh, But that's a car wash cast, and that would be the end of the intro for the car wash cast. And then maybe they would do tonight. We're gonna be talking about buff, buffing, and buffering. Do you watch buffering or listen to podcasts while you buff cars? Give you know, I'll offer my opinions later. So that would be an intro. For our intro, it takes maybe somewhere between 12 to 18 minutes because I want to ease you into bedtime. So it is a big part of the show. Sometimes new listeners, they kind of think, oh, are you just, uh, is this a, just a filler or, no, this isn't a kind of an essential part of the podcast, but there's no essential parts and what i mean by that is uh, some listeners skip the intro and some listeners fall asleep uh, uh, during it uh. but for most listeners it's part of their wind down routine so some people are listening before they get into bed and some people are in bed good to see you looking great be fogging up those glasses later don't worry about it because i'll be I'll buff, i'm going to them. i'm going to buffer them i think i've been buffering half my life my thoughts are always buffering but so so the intro is just an explanation of the podcast. It's a little bit different every time. But it gives you time to kind of let the day fade or wa- fade away or fader away. And to start you drifting off into Dreamland. So that's the first twelve to eighteen minutes of the show. Then there's some business. And then tonight we'll be talking about TNG. Uh, That's Star Trek: The Next Generation, and if you don't watch the show, you don't need to. Like, believe me, I'll talk about it in a way that won't make any sense to anybody. Uh, But if you can't sleep, it'll be pleasant—you know, pleasant enough to keep you company or to help you drift off. And we'll be talking about, you know, some just the stuff that happened, what people were wearing a lot of the dialogue, how people held their bodies, how many close-ups, you know, when when does the camera zoom on Jean-Luc Picard. So that'll be the episode. Then there's some thank yous at the end. So that's how the show is structured. Also, if you're new or regular listener, you don't really need to listen to this podcast. You can listen. And if you can't sleep and you're looking for a companion in the deep dark night, I'm here to the very end. So I'll be here to keep you company. Uh, But you don't need to listen. You won't miss anything. You could replay it if you really want to or listen during the day. It'll be kind of a slow paced uh, discussion about things. So no pressure to listen, but also no pressure to fall asleep. The reason the shows are about an hour is so you could drift off at your leisure, kind of see how it goes and then fall asleep as you wish uh i think let's see i think that's it about that The structure of the show you don't need to listen no pressure to fall asleep if you're new and you're kind of like how do i listen to this or when are you going to start making sense it's kind of like like listening to like what if there was a class uh and you were taking a class where they said hey not only is there no grade uh like, where? The, what if there was a class, I'm trying to think of a class that could be a metaphor for this, that's still conducive to sleeping at bedtime. Like, what if there was a professor who secretly, they were doing some sort of performance art or something, and they said, hey, come to my class, and you could really learn as much or as little as you want. I, I don't know what you would learn from me, because I'm just going to be lecturing And my lectures don't necessarily follow any logic, but they kind of do following meandering paths. But my classroom's a safe place. You'll give yourself a grade at the end based on uh, whatever you feel like. Also, you know, this is a a tuition-free class, uh, maybe. Even though I'm getting paid, you know, of course the professors, everybody's getting paid, whether you're a teacher or student in this class. This is imaginary, by the way, just so you know that, uh, and so no pressure show up, you know, just to respect everybody else's space. But since this is odd, you know, really, uh, you're in your own space. So I don't know, I guess that that would be one way to listen. Like if you knew all that and then you showed up to class, uh, You'd say, "Well, how do I feel like listening today?" Well, I'm just going to kick back and see. They got comfortable chairs in these classrooms. Holy cow! And I guess I maybe, I'll maybe kind of listen for a while. What's the old professor Scoot's talking about? Uh, oh, how many different shades of dragonflies are there in the world? They do wonder that. Uh, oh, but now. He's talking about iridescence, but I don't know if he knows, I think he has confused, he's confused to translucence and iridescence. I may, but yeah, well, I wonder if how many, yeah, how come a lot of dragonfly dresses have wings, but they don't, uh, he's, he's imagining he's wearing a dragonfly dress, uh and how that would feel and then he's giggling because he's saying of course my dress wouldn't be translucent it would be iridescent so i guess he does know the difference so that would be that's kind of how to listen to the podcast uh is an example but here's the thing i'm glad you're here the reason i make the show is because i've been there in the deep dark night tossing and turning trouble getting to sleep i have uh, trouble staying asleep uh waking up and getting back. I've, I've had it all and, you know, changing my schedule just recently. So I'm getting back in the groove myself. So here's the thing. I'm glad you're here. Kind of see how it goes. Give the show a few tries. It's We've had thousands of people review the show and almost every single one says, Hey, it took me a few tries to get used to the podcast. So give it a few tries. See how it goes? No pressure on your end. Hopefully it helps you. If it doesn't, I appreciate you checking it out. You can also go to com slash no thank you if you find that the podcast doesn't help. But I really appreciate you checking the show out. I appreciate your time. I work very hard. I yearn and I strive and I want to help you fall asleep. So thanks again for coming by. All right, hey everybody! It's time for uh, the uh, another episode of uh, Sleep with TNG, and this episode is a two-parter. We'll we'll be covering the first part tonight, and it's Redemption, is season four, episode twenty-six. Which when I was writing this earlier, I thought about uh, what a um a- accomplishment that is—twenty-six episodes, and in, in, I'm presuming in a year of equality uh, television. I mean, that's an episode every two weeks. I mean, my math could be off, but I'm pretty sure two, 26 plus 2, 26 times 2 is 50, 26 times 2 is 52. Maybe there's 54 weeks in a year, maybe there's 52, I'm not sure, but uh, really a great accomplishment. And this is one of these episodes... Uh, that not only stands up to like uh, multiple rewatches, but really reveals more and more depth. Uh, if you watch both episodes, uh, I don't know how many times I've watched this first episode because I watched it once, maybe a year or two ago, and then uh, a bunch of times recently. Uh, and it really is an amazing, amazing episode if you're a fan of uh, Jean Luc or and, and or Bolt or. Uh, it, kind of the like, I don't know the the ways in which you, if you if you choose to project, project I, I think that's one of the great things about TNG or Star Trek. Star Trek is that you can project and identify with characters, uh, particularly Worf and Data. You know the times you do feel like you're a little bit on the outsid,e or whatever, or you don't understand. You know your, disc- your your own journey of self discovery. And then doing it also through uh, Picard's eyes. This is just a classic. So it opens with Captain's log, so like, headed to the Kling- Klingon homeworld. My handwriting says an installation c- ceremony, but it's an installation ceremony. And hopefully to correct a grave injustice. It, what does that say? Roses? Uh, Worf? Oh, he's got a robe on. So Worf's working out. Uh, he's doing a little... Uh, like Klingon martial arts practice or training, I don't know if they've seen this. Like, uh, like, uh, like uh, I don't know if to, uh, to describe it other than like a robe. Uh, but he's there. Chadich shows up. That's Picard. not time. Oh, this is just real. I'll read some of the um the dialogues. It's so amazing. And you think about TV writing, or I think about writing a lot. Within the first four minutes, this episode sets up the theme and the the main conflict uh, in a very segmented television way, but it was still flaw I mean, in my opinion, flawlessly. Uh. So Picard rolls up to Warstrom, worse working out, and they talk about uh, some, some amazing things. Uh, uh, basically, well, I guess I don't even need to read it. Picard basically says... Uh, well, practice, more info, nothing, the gourd. Uh, but, but basically, Picard says, are you going to try to right the wrongs when we're here on your home world? And Gauron's going to be in charge. And basically, Worf says, I think this calls for more practice. Uh, uh, oh, because he says, I'm here as your chadich, not as your uh, captain. And he, sa- he says, uh, oh, yeah, Worf says, it's not time for me yet. Uh, and he says, patience is sometimes more effective than sharp things. And Picard says, well, patience is a human virtue. I'm glad to see you've taken it on. But doesn't this situation call for a more Klingon response? Because this was like a cover-up, uh, and you got the, the the raw side of it. Uh, no escargot scheduled. Garon what? Uh, effective for, for Bortas. Why? the uh, lies must be challenged, uh, like, uh, and Worf goes, yeah, I've grown weary of, uh, this dishonor. Oh, and then they, breaker calls, he goes, yeah, we got this vessel Bortas here. It says it's going to be our escort. Worf goes, yeah, there's no escort. They go up to the bridge uh, and, uh, Picard goes on screen. It goes, uh, it goes, yo, this is Gauron, uh, Picard goes, what's up, Garon? He goes, We've got to speak if we're gonna be successful. And he says, successful at what? Uh that's where I said, what? Borat, Bortas, uh and then he said to Garon, what? He goes, yeah, I must speak uh, if we're gonna stop the trouble on the cl- cling at trouble and cling on again. And then there's a zoom on Picard uh, episode opens. And I'm watching still the the scene playing in front of me is still uh Worf's, uh, really, I didn't realize his robe, uh, was so, it kind of has like that puckered material, really looks comfortable and like, uh, good for, uh, wicking of sweat and he's working out and, and staying cool and also looking cool. Honor will scorn, have no chronicry, the sisters of Dunkus, uh, potetry. Three fleet commanders. How many football? That's what my handwriting says. Uh, I do not see what I can do to assist. Uh, you must see this duty to the end. It's beyond my purview. So basically Gowron's, uh oh, he says, uh, however, so basically Duras' sisters are making trouble. Oh, for the patriarchy. That's what that says. Uh, I think they already have fl- three fleet commanders, uh, on their side. And Picard says, well, I don't see what I can do to assist you. If they're not going to follow you, if they're going to follow Durus's sisters, uh, and Garon says, you got to see me into being in charge till the end. And Picard says, well, let's be on my purview. Yeah. I'll deal with things according to Klingon war law, but not anymore. Not enough, uh, warf- uh, Tail, wharftail ergos. Uh, Picard to data. Riker looks on. wharftail argues. Let me see what that is. Transporter room. Dismissed. Arms crossed. Uh, I would speak with you. Don't her trails. Uh, I am not. Gowron's mind is blown. Live you with your uh, deezer like a Klingon. Uh, Stopped to fourteen. <laughs> this is what my notes say, and I'm not. I guess I'm not. I'm being serious, uh, but so okay. So where were we? Picard met with Gowron. He says, "Jeez, you got to help me make sure I'm in charge." That's Picard goes. I'm just going to file laws. And uh, Gowron goes. I don't know if that's going to be good enough. Then Picard says, "Worf, take this guest to our transporter room." And then Picard says, Data, keep an eye on for Romulans in the neutral zone, a teaser, and keep our outpost stations, keep us alert. Uh, And Data goes, aye. And then he says, uh, Picard goes to Riker, Duras, are trying to make a move on Gowron. Riker goes back, but Romulans, I don't know, but, you know, we know the history. Uh, then Worf, uh, dismisses the technician in the transporter room. He goes, I like how he says this, I would speak with you. Oh, and Garron says, I don't hear the words of traitors, uh, like a little kid. And Worf goes, you am not a traitor. And he goes, well, what do you mean? You said you were, your family is, uh, and Worf goes, I te- took the discommodation to protect the empire. And Garron goes, what? He goes, it was Duras' dad who did all this, not me. And he goes, you got any proof? Uh, and Worf goes, I there is proof. Uh, and he goes, well, why would you do it? He goes, well, the you know, the he goes, he has the richest family in town. Uh, I didn't want to split the empire, so the council got to blame my dad. And Gowron's like, you got to be kidding me! The council knew. And Worf goes, listen, I know you're. I believe you to be a man of honor. I restore my family name. And he goes, dude, I can't do it. Uh, he goes, uh, he goes. I know you've, you've helped me out in the past, but uh, Worf goes, what about when you're in charge? And he goes, well, I'll leave the council's support. Uh, I guess they can't reveal this cover-up. Uh, and again, the thematic stuff comes up. guards telling him to be more like a Klingon. Worf's trying to practice patience. Now he says, now you must live with your decision like a Klingon. Uh, yeah. Stop to one four. I don't know what that means. Uh, skip to oh no, it was in my own note to myself. Skip it because there was a page mix up in my notebook. Uh, then we get some in uh, whoopee moment. It really good, really good actually. When you think about counselors on the ship, uh, and a little bit of comic relief or kind of a comic relief or lighthearted moment. So, worst practice in uh, like his nerf, you know, nerf aiming playing video games. Guinan rolls up, uh, and she says, mind if I join you? Uh, it was a little, you know, I thought I'd get a little practice. And he goes, you practice? Uh, she goes, yeah. Worf goes, well, I practice at level 14. <laughs> and, uh, Guinan says, well, I guess I could bring it down to that level. Uh, and she starts to work at it. Uh, Uh, Like, she goes, yeah, I've been doing this uh, since way before you were even, like, a twinkle in your mother's eye or whatever. And then she deals with a casual conversation. You know, she goes, she's had a bet with the captain. I can make you laugh before you became lieutenant commander. And Worf says, not a good bet today. And uh, she goes, well, I've seen you laugh. I really like it. And Worf goes, Klingons do not laugh. Uh, but obviously he's distracted cause his aiming's off and she again g- g- goes, well, that's not true. Uh, I've heard many Klingon, Klingon laughs. Uh, she goes, as a matter of fact, your son laughs, he's Klingon. And Worf goes, no, he's a child, one. And, uh, two, uh, he's human, part human. And she goes, yeah, okay. So you're full, full Klingon, but you don't laugh. Uh, and a classic wharf line, he goes, I do not laugh because I do not feel like laughing. And uh, Guinan says, well, other Klingons laugh. What does it say about you? And the truth comes out. He goes, perhaps it says I do not feel like other Klingons. And uh, Guinan wins the computer, th- the game, and uh, the the other game, the sub game, because it did not really sound, it, it was more like, uh, It didn't sound that truthy when Worf said it, uh, because he was saying it in a a, a pesky kind of way. So it had to, you know, she planted the seed. And then she goes, Jesus, don't worry. I've been playing these games since before you were born. How's your son? He goes, it's not easy for him on Earth. And she goes, I could see how, you know, living with humans, he's going on confusing, huh? And Worf goes, yeah, it won't be be easy. And She goes, no. But at some point, he goes, he's going to want to know what it's like to be Klingon, just like you're kind of on your own journey doing that. And uh, I don't know, excellent, excellent scene. Uh, Oh, okay. So then uh, Picard carols and has grapes, a snack. Uh, Actually, oh yeah, Picard has a plate with carrots and grapes on it, I think. We'll see here. Worf asks for a leave of absence, which uh, Picard grants. He's happy. Kapla or whatever. Good luck, bruh. He says. Uh, and then it goes to a commercial. Uh, anything else? Have? No, that was it. Uh, let me just check what Picard had on his plate here. Oh, yeah, he takes it out. He's. I think he's got carrots and grapes. So it looks like, like a healthy midday snack. Or, uh, And let's see. Then there's a commercial. Then Worf talks his personal law. I could track down my brother. Got to discuss some stuff with him. Uh, then old Commander Kern, one of, our fa- one of my favorites. Uh, Worf starts to talk to Commander Kern. He goes, too long. Yeah, no doubt, too long. Then Kern gets all this Khaleesi talk going, believe it or not. I don't know if the was watching this because he's basically saying we're gonna break the wheel. We're gonna break the wheel. He goes because uh, he says we gotta help Gowron. He goes Gowron's a part of the wheel, dude, and we're gonna break the wheel, uh, the system, the whole nine yards uh, or uh, whatever uh, the whatever term we use for it, uh, kilowatts. And they go back and forth. And Kern says, just join us, Worf. And Worf goes, no, Gowron's the leader, man. And uh, Kern says, "Uh, he spits in your face, man. There's no honor. And Worf goes, there's no honor via dishonor. By the way, I'm the older brother. Worf takes a patriarchal dominance. What is it between siblings? Uh, But he says, I'm the older brother. I make the decisions. because well, we're not going to, we're going to be subtle about this man. We're going to wait till he needs us. Also, I could not find anything about this, but it seems like, so uh, let's see the time. It's uh, right now he's getting a drink, but there's like a bowl with like salt or sand in it. And I couldn't find anything about this on the internet. I mean, it didn't look very long, but uh, I don't know if Klingons have a salt bowl or what, it's like right, right around 15 or 14 minutes into the episode. It's to uh, Kern's left as he's drinking. I think he even dips his hand into it. Let's just keep watching here. Right now he's raising his glass to Worf. Worf's about to drop the whole older brother thing on him. Yeah, right now he's his back turned. He's sinking. His hair looking majestic. He he's shakes his mane a little bit. Kern goes, what? A WTF, man? And this is when Worf goes, no honor without dishonor, whatever. Uh Kern walks up to Worf, uh, two or three inches ahead of him, tries to act dominant. And uh, Worf says, No, 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 bruh. Uh, but they're having a civil civil like civil dominance discussion. Uh like, uh, yeah, like okay, so they're still talking, and I once just wanted to see if he goes to the salt salt pile or sand pile, puts his hand on his brother's shoulder, we'll wait, to make our move later, all subtle, like uh, when he needs us, we'll offer our support, uh, we'll have an advantage, uh, and we'll get our honor back, the restoration of our family name. Wouldn't that be nice? Uh, Now Kern turns, heads back. Yeah, there's a pile of, he's got his hand uh, across. He lays his hand in the salt or the sand, uh, thoughtfully. He's holding on to it. He's kind of like gripping it. uh, Thinking sand or thinking salt. Uh, I could probably use this. He says, I got to go to the mempa sector, get some more supports. Or says, call me later. He says, okay. And Kern says, no problem. But he does cross his arms. Uh, okay, then, uh, let's see, where are we? I'll be ready. Uh, then we're at the Great Hall of the Kung-Han High Council. Picard stands. Uh, G- Gowron, Mirel, you stand alone. I wish it. Uh, no other challengers. Basically, it's time for Gauron to become in charge. Uh, to get the robe, uh, that symbolizes that, uh, and then, right. He says, okay, there's no challengers. And then he, Picard goes with the robe on him and then they go, there is one challenger. I'll challenge him. I'm Duras' son. Uh, I forget his name. It'll come up soon. Uh, and then someone says Larissa or, uh, I, I gotta, I don't know the names right this second, but, uh, is this your doing like Duras's sister? Lo that's her name. Yeah, uh, she goes. Yeah, we found out he has a son, uh, Bator, B- uh, Bator, uh, Tor, O oh, Toral. Uh Lursa and Bator, uh, Doris's sisters. They go. Well, this can't be Doris' son. They go. Okay, we'll check his genes. Uh, and Gowron's like, This is outrageous, man. I'm in charge. This is just a kid. Uh, and he's got a bit of spunk in him, this kid. He's got some attitude. What's his name? Toral. And uh, they say, well, the arbiter will consider it. Uh, give us a, few, you know, give us a bid. Is that it? Uh, Duras' son to validity. Oh dear, Picard has an oh dear look. Uh, then there's a secret meeting with Duras' sisters and uh, the kid, kid Toral. And a secret figure in the background. There may even be a Romulan already revealed. And to me, this was one of the great reveals at the like a great season finale. Even though I wasn't watching it, uh, then Worf is facing Sammy's brother. He goes, "I got seven sectors on seven squadrons uh, with me," and I think he says, "Let's meet up in the home world." Uh, then we have another great scene, a real small scene that I just didn't quite pick up on and the, the subtleness of it. Uh, but Worf's learning. Worf's using in data or doing research. And Picard comes in uh, and he goes, they're, they're looking up stuff, the proof for Duras uh, that Duras' dad was uh, phony. And Picard goes, well, dude, I thought you were on a leave of absence. Are you still working? And, uh, Worf goes, no, I'm doing research on Duras. Uh, and he goes, uh, okay, we've got to talk in private, man. And he goes, basically, Picard sits him down and he goes, dude, you can't, this is a conflict of interest. You can't use, uh, our, our resources, uh, to, uh, against uh, Duras, uh, so he says, we got to walk the tightrope of compromise or something. And Worf goes, I need those federation records. And he goes, this is a compromise of our fundamental principles. You can't use your Starfleet to make change, political change. Uh, and Worf goes, I, ha- I need to, man. And McCarrie goes, I'm lecturing you and trying to avoid my own conflict interests. You know, like, I don't want the family in charge. Uh, Hey, you know, he goes, I got personal stuff and the Starfleet stuff. And he says, oh, this is what he says. We walk the same tightrope between two worlds, you and I. We have to try to keep those uh, two worlds separate or we shall certainly fail or fall. And Ricardo goes, I'll tell you what, I'll open source all the documents to anybody, not just you. That's a fair way to do it. And Worf goes, thanks, man. And then Riker calls. He goes, you got a private message. Uh, So Picard gets it. uh, He gets invited to the Duras' sisters' house for tea. Serial Gorn, you come here, brave act. Uh, She touches his head. Picard is impressed with the Earl Grey. You see clearly. Could be the end of the alliance. Be our friend. You were like a couple of ranchers. What? Uh, nervous looks a good day. Picard's speech time with due respect. Uh, he's just a boy. Okay, so basically what happens is Picard gets called to see Laura, Lursen Bator. And uh, they say, hey, Earl Grey, right? He goes, yep. Uh, they go, we just came here by yourself. That's brave. Uh, Picard goes, well, I didn't expect your invitation. They go, yeah, we should have invited you sooner. We, should, you know, we know you don't like our brother, and they go, neither did we. And they say, we don't want to be your enemy. Uh, and Picard goes, that's great. Uh, they go, do you have a d- decision on Toral? And they, Picard goes, not yet. I'm working on it. Uh, they freshen his tea. They go, Jesus, this going to help us, uh, you know, next, he's the next generation, support of the people and all that. And Picard goes, well, I want to see if he has a support of the law. That's my job. And they go, well, you got to figure it out. Picard goes, okay, well, I'm in a p- pickle here because if I see Torrel's challenge is valid, uh, you two will be in charge. Gowron will be out, uh. If I reject Toro's claim, you'll say, I'm just, uh, like, uh, serving Federation interests, and you'll try a coup against Gowron. And that's when they say, you see clearly, but one thing is missing. Uh, uh, what if uh, you rule against us and we win? Uh, that would be the end of the alliance with the Federation. And wouldn't that be unfortunate? uh and Picard goes, you've manipulated the circumstances with the skill of Romulan. I'll make my announcement tomorrow. Great tea. Good day. Okay, so then Picard goes, uh, where's this speech here? Okay, Picard makes a speech. With all due respect to this dude, he goes, I understand He's definitely uh, has the Duras bloodline. One day, perhaps. Right now, he's just a boy. Perhaps he shall... Uh, but just because, uh, he has a bloodline doesn't mean he has a claim to leadership. He's never led anything. And then the dude says, uh, the tour, tour says, uh, follow me and I'll show you honor.'" uh, and, uh, let me see what, let me read the things. Uh, and then Ogaron says, if you follow him, you're rejecting Klingon law. Superguard basically says Gowron's in charge. Uh, you know, Duras had a claim. He's not here anymore. Gowron is. He, yeah, I already gave him the claim. And uh, that's it. Uh, and then seven people follow along. And then there's like a lot of oh dear looks, uh, a lot of like looks. Uh, then there's an ad. I think on Frown Mound, that's what that says. Then at twenty eight fifty-four. Oh, this is a great shot of the Klingon vessels. Uh uh Wharf is uh what is this? Wharf Gowron pointing at throne. I got four squadrons. What uh so Wharf is meeting with Gowron. Oh he says, dude, you're in trouble. Uh how are you gonna deal with Duras? And he goes, what do you, he goes, you're dishonored, bruh. And Worf goes, I got four squadrons. And he goes, how? And he goes, my brother Kern. And he goes, Kern's your brother? Why? And he goes, yeah. He goes, we hit his bloodline to protect him. Uh, and Gowron goes, he doesn't like me. And Worf goes, I'm the older brother. I'm in charge. And Gowron goes, what do you want? Worf goes, family honor. And Garon's a finicky. He says, uh, and Garron really said, think about it. He says, well, four squadrons, not enough. Uh, he goes, uh, he goes, we need more help. Uh, and, uh, you could get Federation help. Uh, Picard listens to you. And Worf goes, well, I can't ask for my work. That's my work, man. And Garon goes, well, if you want your family honor, you're going to have to get a uh, Federation help, uh, Because are you a Klingon, or are you hiding behind human excuses? What are you, Worf? Uh, Are you trying to talk your way out of stuff uh, like a human? Or do you hear the cry calling you, uh, calling you to glory like a King Klingon? Uh, Let's see. Listens to you. Okay, we got that. Uh, Then Enterprise looks on. As it begins, uh, Klingon, oh yeah, Klingon, the, 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 some other Klingon ship shows up and starts going after Gowron ship. Uh, uh, Worf's on board helping out. Uh, there's, uh, does this say dwarf? It definitely doesn't say skunk. That's what my handwriting looks like. Uh, but there's trouble. Worf's working, uh, lost a dwarf skunk. General dislikes. Uh, Paul Picard, Paul Picard has to sit, uh, Let's see, basically, uh, there's two ships against the Bortas, uh, and Gowron's working, uh, the Enterprise is looking on, Picard says it's begun, and uh, Data's like, Picard, what are we going to do? They're in trouble, and Worf's on board, I think, and Worf says, or Picard says we got to get away from here, we got to stay out of this, uh. Riker goes, but doesn't board us. Shouldn't we help him?" And Riker goes, "Engage. Uh, we can't drag the federation into this." Uh So then they're like, "Oh no, the ships in trouble. Uh shields are going down." Worf goes, uh, the grounds grounds. Let's go. Let's get this done." Riker goes, or "Worf goes, no, 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 no. Uh let them sh- think the ships uh, helpless and then uh we can trick Ruum. And then war, they go, Gowron war, war goes, okay. And then 35,000 Kelly cams, that must be kilometers. I think I looked it up, though, at the end. Uh, 20, you know, so they go, okay, now they're in transporter range. They're going to drop their shields. So they take out one ship, uh, but the second ship manages to only get minor uh, hits. Uh, and they're like, now they're in trouble again. But then when a currents ship shows up and defends them, it, uh, Kern goes, Yo, we're here to file the banner of Gowron. And Worf says, uh, uh, The enemy took off. The other ship took off anyway. And Gowron goes, Great job, Kern. I can't believe Larson and Bator already moved against me. Meet me at the Great Hall. And then Gowron says, Call the Enterprise and tell them to, to attend my installation as a leader. And then we have another captain's log. With newfound support, Gowron has chosen to proceed with the installation ceremony. The entertainment prize is returned, so that I may perform my final duties, arbiter of succession. Uh, let's see what else we have. Goss, Ghos, G H O S, I could settle out. Uh, uh, robe goes on, so Picard puts the robe on Gowron. Ma-Dev-Gas. Uh, Worf walks up uh, to him uh, with Kern. He goes, oh, jeez, you're both proving yourselves. Your hearts are Klingon, giving you your honor back. Let your name be spoken once again. And then there's an ad after they get their uh, honor back. Worf gets his honor back. Uh, then Klingon Enterprise, uh, Klingon Chip and Enterprise after the ad. Worf, Riker, Picard, and the sole leader, Gowron, uh, around the ship, uh, and Gowron goes, uh, because of the treaty, I want your assistance in, against my enemies, uh, and Riker goes, those are Klingons, he goes, all who oppose me, and uh, Picard goes, the Enterprise or the uh, Federation can't get involved in internal affairs, uh. And Gowron goes, you already did the right of succession. You're involved. And Picard goes, this my duties are done, man. And then Worf butts in. He goes, Captain, we got to intervene. Uh, Duras, this is, Duras is behind it. They're no good. Uh, and they're not good for the Federation either. You know that. Uh, they uh, conspired with Romulans. He goes, I beg you, support us in this cause. Uh. And Picard goes, Worf, I don't have to, Mr. Worf, I don't have to write, write, lecture you on non-interference. Uh, we've sworn an oath. Uh, no matter personal feelings, I refuse your request. Uh, Gowron starts to st- pound, what do you call that, like uh, go out like in a frustrated way. Worf's behind him, and Picard goes, Worf, uh, you got to get back to work, man. Uh, leave absence is over. We're leaving. And Worf goes, Captain, I need an extended absence. Uh, Impercard goes, Worf, uh, nope, uh, time to get back to work. Your responsibilities as a Starfleet officer are incompatible with remaining on board a Klingon ship uh, during internal affairs. Impercard goes, Captain, please. Uh, And he goes, I order you to return to duty at once. And then Worf resigns. His commission as a Starfleet officer puts his. Enterprise badge on the table, and it's like a dun 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 moment. Uh, Worf was stunned. Uh, oh, Worf's stunned, he's been stunned, but the captain refused him. And then, uh, uh Gar- 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 says, I'll wait you on the Bortas. And Worf walks out of the room, there's lots of music. Uh, and uh, g- g- then Worf's in his room packing. He's in a Klingon uniform now and doorbell rings. Picard goes, geez, can you mind if I come in? Worf goes, no. And he goes, so you're going to be on working on the Bortas, huh? Worf goes, yeah. And Picard goes, you're going to serve them well. And, uh, Picard, really great scene, by the way, this one, like, uh, hey, Picard goes, geez, are you certain you're making the right choice? Uh, And Worf goes, you know, I was raised by humans, uh, spent my life around them, but I was born a Klingon. My heart is of that world. Uh, I do hear the cry of the warrior. I belong with my people. And then Picard says, well, you're the only Klingon ever to serve in Starfleet, which gave you singular distinction. But what I felt was unique about you was your humanity, compassion, generosity, and fairness. You took the best qualities of humanity, made them a part of you. And, uh, the result was someone I'm proud to call one of my officers, uh, and they said, have your tra- belongings transported, which is something since I think cards getting a little, like away with a little bit, uh, just cause he told him at the beginning of the episode to be more Klingon. But then, I don't know, sometimes I started wonder is Picard like God, like in some sense, like, uh, I mean, he does have this God-like power. But in uh, even though he's human, he is like superhuman in his uh, ability to deal with things uh, and be kind and generous. So maybe he knows how this is all going to work out. But then I cried. I, I'm not going to bounce around it. Not on the first time. Maybe on the second or third time I saw the scene. I think on the third time. Uh, if Picard walks out, Picard goes, thanks, uh, and they go out of the room and the whole hall is, uh, all like the whole ship is there. All, everybody's there, uh, waiting to say goodbye to, um, Picard. I mean, waiting to say goodbye to Worf, uh, all the staff, uh, and, uh, it was real, it was really a tearjerker, uh, for me. It was the third time I even wrote it down here. And, uh, everybody stands at attention. Uh, they're all looking like I, at Wharf with like respecting kind eyes. Uh, then they go to the transporter room and I think I wrote everybody that's there. Uh, but maybe I didn't, uh, lift to surprise. Or maybe it was after they got off the lift, uh, such a great dialogue, uh, tear filled moment. Wharf gets your transporter permission. Uh, I think it's, everybody's there like Troy. Uh, let me get a fast forward here. Yeah. So data, Jordy, uh, Troy, Crusher, Riker, am I missing anybody? I think that's it. Uh, they're all waiting to say goodbye, but like in military style and we kind of, uh, choking back some feelings, I think, uh, then he says uh, permission to leave the ship. Uh, Picard says, permission granted, cupola, cupola or whatever. And then war says goodbye. Uh, and then Riker dismisses everybody. He says, you know, basically get back to work. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, Picard just kind of stays good behind, good behind as everybody goes back and kind of just looks at the uh, um, transporter. Uh, it kind of stares off at it. Then we see some shots of the ships, uh, Duras' crew. Oh, then we go to, um, back to wherever Duras' sisters hang out. Uh, so they're there. His sister, their sisters, uh, Tor- Toral. So let's see who's there. So yeah, Toral, Duras' sisters, uh, some, uh, Romulan dude, uh, and then a Romulan messenger comes in, hands a messenger, and then we see a char- the character in the background before, and uh, they say, Jesus, Picard rejected uh, Garon's plea, uh, Enterprise has left orbit. And Toral says, oh, he wasn't tough enough, Picard's weak, uh, and they say, be quiet, kid. Uh, and then the, the woman steps forward. You immediately hear her voice. She say, I know that voice. This really was such a reveal for me the first time. It's so sweet. Uh, and she says, celebrate later, Toral. Uh, we should not disallow, discount Jean-Luc Picard yet. Uh, he is human, and humans have a way of showing up when you least expect them. And uh, while she's saying that, we see that uh, the actress who played Tasha Yar or Tasha Yar and uh, pretty mind blowing because uh, she was she was in the big, you know, the big spaceship in the sky. And uh, that's how the episode and the season and the episode end. Uh, And we will do another episode. Uh, You know, I'll, I'll continue that. You know, the next episode we do will be that one. Um but let's look at a couple of things. One thing I question I had, uh let's see, Wikipedia the entry for this episode. Uh this was the hundredth and the hundred and first episodes of the series in the fourth and fifth season. I mean I had a question about the uh this is about the plot. I don't want to talk about that. Uh I don't know when they were uh when they were filmed. they're both written by Ronald Moore. Uh, and I mean, not to be, be, but just the writing is really, really, really good. According to Wikipedia, Ronald Reagan was on set during filming of the first episode. Uh, it's one of the high, more highly recommended, uh, uh, episodes. Um, it's on the Blu-ray. Uh, Reunion is a prequel to this, uh. And yesterday's Enterprise, which I think we might have covered, uh, is also re- related to the next uh, part, two. It doesn't say anything about filming, so I guess they probably, maybe they filmed it, you know, a few months apart. I'm not sure. Uh, just in case you're wondering, uh, the baldric is what uh, Worf wears. I always forget uh, the sash uh, that goes over the left or right of uh, Klingons. It's uh, a symbol of their Klingon house. Uh, Worf, uh wears his baldric as a member of Starfleet over his right shoulder. Uh, so I just wanted to get that. Now, those of you studying for SAT or any other thing, purview is one of the words of the week. P U R V I E W is from Middle English, uh, purview, provicio, uh, and the Anglo Norman, purv, Purvuesta, uh It is provided. This is from the Wiki, 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 Wiki Nictionary. It's uh, purview as a noun, the enacting part of a statute, the scope of a statute, uh, the scope or range of interest or control. I think that's what, how Picard was using it, but it, yeah, as a noun, uh, range of understanding. It was the scope or range of his interest or control as arbiter, as uh, arbiter. What about leave of absence? That's a word we use all the time. This is also from Wikipedia. It's a period of time you were away from your job while maintaining status of employee. Uh, it can be used restrictively to exclude other periods away from the workplace, uh, like vacation, paid time off, holidays, hi- hi- hiatus, uh, sabbaticals. Uh, but usually, leave of absence is used for exceptional circumstances, uh, but such an arrangement is a predefined uh, termination. At a particular date or after a certain event has occurred, wharf. Yeah, they're paid and unpaid, uh, continue, you know, but they don't, I don't know how that, any of that works on, uh, I don't know how any of that works on Starfleet, uh, Arbiter. Oh, Arbiter is a character in Halo, uh, Arbiter clashes a Protoss ship in S- uh, Starcraft, uh, but it's a person who decides, uh, uh, things in arbitration. Arbiter is used in Dante, in the game uh, DMC. Uh, Arbiter, though, I I, I think, which one was the Arbiter? It was in Star, oh, that's in Starfleet. I thought there was, oh, the Protoss and Starfleet have uh, Arbiters. I think, I don't know if Arbiter's a good long-range one, or if the Arbiter, is that the giant one? I don't know. Nothing like a StarCraft reference. Then Kellycam is a Klingon measurement. Uh, This is from uh, memoryalpha.fandom.com. It's intended for use at a planetary scale and interstellar. Oh, insignificant for interstellar measurements. Uh, It doesn't wonder what it converts to. I mean, it sounds like kilometers, uh, but it just doesn't say. It would be nice, you know, have a conversion. it probably converts somewhere, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. But so Kelly cams, so let's just say it's like a kilometers, but, uh, that wouldn't be accurate. Okay. And then perhaps I think i said once or twice in this episode, it reminds me of this song. I think I first heard it as a cake song, uh, but originally it was a song known as quizas, uh, quizas, quizas, uh, UI in Spanish. Uh, But it's a a famous, uh, popular song by Cuban songwriter Osvaldo Fares, uh, who uh, wrote the music and the original lyrics for the song, which became a hit for Bobby Capo in 1947. Uh, The English lyrics were written by Joe Davis. They're not a translation of the Spanish lyrics. Uh, English version was first recorded by Desi Arnaz in 1948. It's also been covered by Bing Crosby, Nat King Cole, Doris Day, uh, Sarah Montiel, Celia Cruz, uh, Paco De Lucia, uh, Cake, Samantha Fox, holy cow, really, Uh, Jerry Halliwell from uh, uh, one of the original Spice Girls, uh, uh, Mari Wilson. Ruben Gonzalez, I didn't realize it was covered this many times, Emma Bunton, Pussycat Dolls, Buena Vista Social Club, Uh, Andrea Bocelli, Il Divo. I guess this is going. Uh, So it's been covered a lot of times. Uh, And here's the lyrics. Uh, This is taken from the cake song, but it is the lyrics from, uh, so the songwriters are uh, Osvaldo Farris and uh, Joe Davis. you won't admit you love me, and so how am I ever to know? You only tell me, perhaps, 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 a million times I ask you, and then I ask you over again. You only answer, perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. If you can't make your mind up, it will never get started, and I don't want to wind up uh, being parted, broken-hearted. So, if you really love me, say yes, Uh, but if you don't, dear, confess, uh, and and please don't tell me, perhaps, 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 uh, if you can't make your mind up, we'll never get started. And I don't want to wind up being parted, brokenhearted. So, if you really love me, say yes, uh, but if you don't, dear, confess, uh, and please don't tell me, perhaps, perhaps, That's a song, uh, perhaps, uh, perhaps, perhaps, by... uh, Joe Davis and Osvaldo Farris, uh, uh, Joe Davis, that's a song by Joe Davis and Osvaldo Farris, uh, just reminding me of, uh, uh, I don't know who the times it gets, uh, perhaps came up in this episode. Perhaps, uh, I'll talk to you soon. Good night.